Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Well, praise the Lord. Let's try again. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Just make sure you're awake. All right, well, praise the Lord. Shall we pray? Loving Father, Heavenly God, it is good. I was glad when they said to me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. And now our feet are standing in your gates. We are here in your presence. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So, Father, we're expecting today to be refreshed and to find something new in you, to hear your voice and to be touched and to be changed. But, Father, the entrance of your word brings light and gives instruction to the simple. Father, we give praise to you today. You don't leave us to ourselves, but you come by your spirit. You speak to your, our hearts and your word produces life. So we thank you. We are expecting, we are excited, and we are glad. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's, we're doing better. We're waking up a bit. We could get a little bit kind of, you know, try a little, just where you are, a little wiggle. Go on. Just, yeah, that's good. Not too much. You might break something. but Right. Well, it is a joy. Um, right. Well, I'm going to talk about babies. That'd be a good introduction. Because I want to talk about a hope that makes us endure. A woman goes through labor, and I've been there. Men, be glad you are men. My word. Anyway, my doctor said to my wife once, because she went to her baby, he said, Oh, you look nervous. Is this your first? She said, no. <laughs> I, I know what's coming. So we endure because of a hope. Too many Christians give up because they lose hope. Jesus, for the joy set before him, the hope set before him, endured the cross. And sometimes we have to endure because we know how the story ends. Who knows how the story ends? We endure marriage because some... Let me finish. After 50 odd years. Because we know that the Word of God has promised us a good marriage, a good family, a good... And because of the hope, sometimes you have to go through. And those of you who say, me and my wife have never had to go through a line. And we pray for the sinners afterwards. We all have to go through. But the hope is the thing that makes us go through. And if you stop, that's why it says, without a vision, people perish. You've got to have a hope. Because I'm going to talk about the resurrection. We're still in the Easter mode. I think, quickly then, Easter and Christmas, you know, it's kind of like, if we're not careful, right, we're done Easter, move on. 
We've done the resurrection business. Jesus got up. He's alive. Let's move on to, I want to talk about the resurrection. The glorious hope of the Christian. This is not the end. Turn to somebody and say, please, turn, say it with a smile on your face. This is not the end. Listen, the Bible says this. What is man? He is but a vapor. You know, gone. He's like a grass. He grows up. He flourishes. He dies. He withers. The wind blows. No man remembers his place anymore. We are talking about something eternal. This is just a thing in eternity. But if you do not see the end, if you do not see that this is just a so momentary, we start getting... Listen, old age should be something you embrace. When I get there, I'll tell you. should be something you embrace because it's not the end. You are nearer than when you started this journey. How many old people do I get who get miserable? They should get happier. They should be more excited. Soon and very soon, I am going to meet Jesus face to face. So let's talk about the resurrection. My Lord, we'll get there. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 says this. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all of all men most pitiable, most miserable. If this life is it, we ought to be pitied. Oh, I've given up all this. I've given up all that. I've taken up a cross. I'm following Jesus. And then I'm going to die. If that's it, we are of all men the most pitiable. Like that. But we are not those. Ready? 1 Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 says this. We are those who are looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It is the blessed hope. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Huh? We have an assurance. We have a blessed hope. Whatever you're going through is not the end. If you're going to die, guess what? You're meeting Jesus. See, people, oh, poor old Fred died. No, Fred is dead. He's with Jesus if he's a believer. And if he ain't, then. It's a blessed hope. Now, the Bible is not this. When we talk about Bible hope, we ain't talking about, well, maybe, perhaps. When we talk about hope, Bible hope says this. God said it, that's settled. Oh, I hope it's going to be sunny lunchtime. I hope I win the lottery. I'm looking for your own up. No, listen, Bible hope is God said it. It cannot fail. 
It will happen. This is an assurance. This is a promise from a God who doesn't change, doesn't fail, is faithful. So when I talk about the resurrection, the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Jesus put it like this. We always read this text. It's from John 14, don't we? The vicar comes in with a morbid old face. I am the resurrection and the life. In my Father's house there are many mansions, and I go and prepare one for you. And when I have prepared it, I will come for you and say, My word, that should, he should dance down the aisle. Jesus is preparing a home for us. And when he has prepared us, guess what? He's coming to take us home. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Jesus put it like this, John 11, back there, 25, 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me and dies will live. But he who believes, oh, up there. And he whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Question is, do you believe this? Notice there are two groups of people. There are those who died and live, and there are those who are alive and will never die. Stick with me because we're going to talk about the resurrection. What is death then? Well, firstly, it's not soul sleep. You know, you pop your cogs, judgment day comes, poof, you're gone. Wrong. It is not purgatory, some state where you can get better through suffering and then God might accept you. It's not reincarnation. Well, you messed up on this one, didn't you? But, you know, you were an ant, but you can come back. Well, you were a spider, but you messed up, so you'll come back as an ant. If you did really good, you can come back as a frog. No, it's not reincarnation. Neither is annihilation. I've told you that one before. I used to love that. Listen, I didn't believe in God. But if I got it wrong, I'd go up there, he'd look at me, and he'd go, and that'd be it. Done. What have you got to lose? That's just what I used to think. That isn't the way it is. Man is an eternal being. When God created man, he breathed into him the spirit. God is an eternal spirit, and he breathed an eternal spirit into man, and man will spend eternity somewhere. Get this. You are going to live forever. <laughs> now you will either live with God, or you will live separated from God, but you will spend eternity somewhere. What is death then? Death is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. Is that fair enough? Do you know the moment you stop breathing, corruption sets into your body? From that moment, life is in the blood, oxygen and all that business. When you stop breathing, the life stops pumping around the body and the body goes to corruption. 
This is getting even better. You should get excited now because this is, we're talking about the resurrection. There are two groups of people. There are the believers, he who believes in me and dies. The implication being some will not believe and die. You don't have to be good at mass, just stick with me and we'll get there. Both of them will experience the same thing. Death is inevitable. But it will either come as a friend or it will come as an enemy. For the believer, the cessation of life, the pumping of blood and all that, comes as a friend. For the unbeliever, it comes as an enemy. That's why you never speak about it. And it's funny, it's inevitable, but you never speak about death. Christian people are afraid to speak about death. Why? It's the blessed hope. It's the joy that's set before. Why am I running a race? Because I'm going to get a prize. Why am I fighting a fight? Because I'm going to win the victory. Why? If you haven't got the end before you, why bother enduring? Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. The dust shall return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return to God who gave it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If God won't have us, the devil must. What about Psalm 104, verse 29? You take away breath, they die, and return them to dust. I'm sorry, some of you are very attractive bits of dust. You know, you, you, you paint the dust to make it look lovely. Some of us are turning it into skinnier dust. But some of you wear very expensive clothes on the bag of dust. But guess what? In the end of the day, you are dust. Hi there, bag of dust. Oh my word, that's an attractive bit of dust. It's dust. Why am I saying this? Because at the moment of death, what happens, I said to you, separation of body and spirit. Let's talk about your spirit and soul. For the believer, two groups of people, the believer and the unbeliever. For the believer, 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The moment you pop your cogs, you are in Jesus' presence. Like that. Go on, together. Like that. In the presence of Jesus. Come on. Do you sometimes in church? Yeah. Get right, don't get up in worship. You get your arms up there. You're doing something. This is why I keep going. We're getting ready. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. 
Now you should be happy with that. That's enough. That's enough, isn't it? I know how the story ends. I put my cogs on with Jesus. But for the unbeliever, it's a different one. And if you're an unbeliever today, I want to sound a warning to you. You need to listen to me. Jesus in Luke 16 tells a parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And it says, uh, there was a rich man who lived in opulence. And there was a poor guy who lived in his, by his gate begging. And he was that poor that he had sores all over him. And the dog would come and lick his sores. Very graphic. And they'd die. And the, rich, and the poor man, Lazarus, goes to the bosom of Abraham, the presence of God. What's he say about the poor man? The, the rich man, pardon me. What's he say about him? It says, and being in Hades and in torment, he looked up and saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Where do you go? I said, you, the moment you die, you instantly go be with Jesus as a believer. For the unbeliever, the moment you die, you go to torment. Hades just means a place of departed spirits. You go to torment. Why did you choose that? Why on earth did you choose that? That's what the Bible says. But praise God, destinations are not fixed. You can change from one to the other. Jesus, uh, Resurrection Sunday, isn't that? Jesus, well, Good Friday, Jesus on the cross. The penitent thief. What happened to the penitent thief? He gets converted. He gets, or as a revelation of who Jesus is, let's put it like that. He says, remember me when you come into your glory. And Jesus says to him, what? Today, today, you will be in paradise with me. And those of you like that, it's a paradise is a Persian word. Uh, when, we could, when the church couldn't think of a more blessed state, what was the most beautiful thing they knew? It was a Persian king's garden. Paradise. So they nicked that word. I'm going to paradise. And I'm going to hang out with Jesus. Don't mind if I preach for you today, dear. Who knows the story? Who's old enough to remember? I am going to the city. Hold, hold him. My wife knows it because I sing it all the time. Where the roses never fade. I've got to get back up there, haven't I? Here they bloom but for a season. Then their beauty is decayed. But I am going to a city where the roses never fade. Hallelujah. I tell you, you should get excited. One day, soon, we see Jesus is coming back. Die or fly, we are the Lord's. Jesus is coming back, and we're going to meet him face to face. That is the hope. We don't preach it very often now. We've made this heaven. This is just a blink of an eye in comparison to eternity. And yet here we are willing to give up eternity for a bag of beans. 
All right. So we sorted out what's happened to your spirits, haven't we? They're either down there or up there. Like any good mystery, what happened to the body? Dun, 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 dun. What happens to the bodies? This is where we start talking about the resurrection. This is where we start talking about the rapture. This is where we start talking about lots of other things. And we've got to do it very quickly. Resurrection, the word, your wife, Anastasia. Anna, again, Stasia, to stand, to stand up again. That's what the resurrection is. We will stand again. That's why the Bible uses that word about us sleeping. Because what happens when you sleep? You lay down. What happens with the resurrection? You stand up again. Bless God. There is a day coming when we will stand up again. Daniel. Chapter 12, verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. Look in your margin, the word there is abhorrence. Not a nice word at all. Some will rise to eternal life, some will rise to eternal contempt. Oh, that's Old Testament. Jesus put it like this. This is a good one, actually. This one we don't preach very often. John 25, John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear the voice and come forth. Those who have done good, it's up here, is it? To the resurrection of eternal life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. If you had an authorised version, it says damnation. The word there is crisis, C-R-I-S-I-S, and it means judgment. They will come to judgment. Whilst we're talking about judgment, do you know we'll all be judged? Come on, smile now. Smile's gone. The hallelujahs are gone. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 and Romans 14, 5 says this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for what we have done in the flesh. That's what it says. It's not a judgment. It's not a judicial judgment. Judgment. It's the one that comes from um, to judge a race. The bench where all the judges sit and say, oh, you've done well. Come and get your prize. We must all appear before the prize-giving day. Talking to believers, we ain't going to be judged. We've already been judged in Jesus Christ. That's why he went to the cross. We can't be rewarded. Those of you who lock yourself away and pray. Those of you who give sacrificially and no one knows anything about it. I tell you what, what your father sees in secret, he will reward openly. There is a reward day coming. 
That's why it talks about crowns. We ain't got time for that. The reward day is coming. Bless God. Ah, well, we were there, aren't we? Jesus, I'll go skip a bit for your sake. All right, so now we've come, we've made sense now, aren't we? We've got our, the spirit and the soul is there. The body's in the ground. Everybody's body's in the ground. Yeah? There's going to be a awakening, a resurrection, some to reward, some to eternal judgment. So far, so good? Now, this is where you get your shouting shoes on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says this. I do not want you ignorant brethren concerning those who have fallen asleep. Lest you mourn, or lest you sorrow, as others who have... I've been to too many Christian funerals. Oh, isn't it a shame he's dead? Please don't say that to me. He's a believer. What's shameful about that? Oh, he was only 94 and he's died. He's a believer. I don't, don't, please don't walk around. There's a sense in which we should, should be sorry for him. Please don't get me wrong. But we don't mourn like those that have got no hope. I know where he is and I know where I'm going to meet him again. See, if for a season we may be parted, but it's only a very, 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 very brief season. We don't mourn like those that have got no hope. We don't mourn that he's at the end. We don't mourn like he ain't going to get up on resurrection morn. We don't mourn that he ain't with Jesus. We don't mourn. Soon and very soon, face to face. I've got loved ones on the other side I'm looking forward to meeting. I've got saints I used to fellowship with who I'm looking for. There's one old boy I think of now who just loved the Lord with a passion. There's so much to me, Ron Sheffield. And I think in heaven he will just be doing something absolutely crazy because he loves Jesus. And I think I might even join him. And notice if you've got a face like a wet weekend in Brighton, then get saved. Because this is the joyous, glorious hope that you have got. The end, Christ's appearing. Here we go. Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become what? The first fruits of those who... Pardon me, I didn't give you the scripture. Do you want that? Yeah, you do. 1 Corinthians 15 and 20. Now, Christ is risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. What's happened to me? If you've got the first fruits, what does that mean? The harvest is going to follow. Jesus is risen from the dead. Guess what? The harvest is going to follow. When we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we are celebrating Jesus' resurrection, but we're also celebrating our own. 
Because the first fruits is risen, so we will rise with him. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Please, if you're underlining anything in your Bible, you need to underline that bit. Those who sleep in Jesus. Remember I told you two groups of people? We're now talking about the ones that believe in Jesus. I believe in two resurrections. And I'll explain that to you. 1 Thessalonians 4.14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Ready? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 and 23 says this. Those who are in Christ shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. And after that, those who are Christ's at his coming. Are you Christ's today? Do you know when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for you? If you don't, you need to get saved. Uh, I think so. I, I hope so. What do I say to you? Bible hope is a confidence, is an assurance. I know so. If for this life I have believed in Jesus, I am more pitiable than anybody else. But I'm looking to the future. I'm looking to the skies. I'm looking to a hope that cannot fail from a God who promised. Listen to me, this one. At his coming. Oh, I've got a good one. Uh, those who are in Christ. First fruits. After the Afterwards, those are his that is coming. Two things, very quickly. One is Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Remember he said that? Surprisingly, like a thief in the night. I've very quickly done this this morning. Surprisingly, suddenly, secretly, and stealthily. Is stealthily a, a, a word? Anyway. Surprisingly, secretly, suddenly, stealthily. Oh, the signs ain't been fulfilled yet. Be very, very careful. You know, the people have all these charts. I remember years ago when we first saved, we went to this bloke, he had all these charts about how it's going to work out. You know, God just might not do it that way. And that's why you live ready. There's a danger to want to live slack. I could not tell you if Jesus wouldn't split the sky like now. Ooh, that is coming. And the other one is a bridegroom. Have a picture. You read it in your, in your, in your, in your Gospels. The bridegroom coming for his you like that? Song of Solomon's chapter 2, round about verse 10, is it? What's he going to say? Rise up, my beloved. Rise up, my beloved, and come away with me. Don't you get excited about that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Ready? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. 
with the archangel's shout and the trumpet of God. That's right, isn't it? I always have to look over my shoulder. And the, and the, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Are you in Christ today? And if you should die, you will rise. Jesus, can you listen? Walking down the road, and all of a sudden, rise up, beloved, and come away. And you're gone. Uh, you know, he's preached this before. I'd love to be in the graveyard. Sometimes I've seen some churches I've been to. Anyway, I'd love to be in the graveyard. And in the midst of it, a shout, a trumpet, and all those who are the Lord's pop out the ground. Well, they've been in their years and they've rotted. I can hear your cogs going now. Listen, the God who made the first one on that morning will just call it all back together. Nothing goes to nothing. You're going to be a molecule or you're going to be an atom or you're going to be a something floating around. And God will speak it. And who created the first one out of nothing, he'll create you, recreate you. Different. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, and now you're getting on shouting that ground. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Read it. Keep going. We shall be changed. And the mortal shall put on the immortal. And the perishable shall put on the imperishable. And then should come to pass the saying, when the mortal is put on the immortal, and when the perishable is put on the imperishable, then come to pass the saying, oh, death, where? Ha! Where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? Christ has defeated you. Ready? I read a quote this morning. He said this. When God brought Israel out of Egypt, he, which Egypt, if you read your Bible, is a house of bondage. He did not leave a single thing in there. When God brings us out of the grave, out of the house of bondage, he will not leave a single thing in there. Not one thing of you will remain. If a hair, not one hair on my head falls to the ground down here, on resurrection morn, I will come back together. The skinny version. I am closing. Well, almost. Ready? Then we who remain. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. So we talked about the dead popping out the ground. Then we who remain. Will be changed in a moment. And we shall be caught up together. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
but we will be caught up together with them. Can you be there? Resurrection morn. My wife said, now get back on the stage. Can you imagine it now? You're there. Suddenly, they all pop out the box, all pop out the grave, all start going up. And guess what? Suddenly, your feet start lifting off the ground. For we who remain will not precede those who have fallen asleep, but we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord, comfort one another with these words. Are you comfy this morning? Yes, 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 there is a resurrection for the living. And now I've got a warning for those of you who are not Christ. So that's not the end of the story, is it? Very quickly, what happens here, I believe, people want to argue with you on this, different views, but this is my one. The moment the church is gone, there will be seven years of unprecedented tribulation on the earth. And I can prove why I believe we've gone. We've not been ordained for wrath and so on and so forth. Why? Because in Revelation chapter 6, it talks about who likes the idea of the Lamb of God? Lovely, isn't it? The Lamb of God. Soft and fluffy. If you went to Revelation chapter 6, and do you have verse 16? Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. For the lamb is also the lion of the tribe of Judah, and judgment will come. Isn't it? Fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. And then, as I say, this seven years of unprecedented trouble goes on. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Unimaginable why people would want to stay. Now to turn to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And this is my last scripture. Verse through to about 16. Then I saw the great white throne, and he who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. Keep going. And then I saw the dead. Hang on. These are those who are not Christ. Small and great, king and pauper. Standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And those whose name... And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written. Keep going. In the books, keep going. And the seed gave up their dead and those who were in it. And death and Hades, the spirit, Delivered them up. And they're dead in them. And they were what? Judged. Each one according to his works. Keep going. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. We missed a bit out. This is the second death. Oh, verse 15. You need me to... Say it to you. For those who are listening from home, anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. My 
friend is a joyful hope for those who are the Lord's. But it's a terrible expectation for those who are not. Heaven and hell is real. If there's a real heaven, there must be a real hell. Simple question. When I open that book, is your name written in there? When it talks about works, it's not talking about works. The best work you can do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be saved by doing good, not by good works. The one work that will save you is believing that Jesus Christ died for you. And the thing that will condemn you is refusal to believe. Simple as that. Oh, yeah, shouting ground for the saints. My word. We should get so excited. But let's get excited with a tear in our eye. But if heaven's real for us, my friend, hell is real for others. If we're excited about going, so excited about going, we would want to tell others, come with us. There's room for you. Should we stand in the presence of God? You know, when the roll is called up yonder, when the angel opens the book, your name be there. And do you know today your name can be there? Think of the penitent thief. He had lived a life. He weren't there because he was a nice guy. He, when he, in fact, he says, we are receiving our just reward. And if God was to send each one of us to hell, he would be right. None of us could shake our fist at him and say, you have not been just. But God, in his sovereign mercy, wherein he loved us, sent Jesus. And we celebrate Easter because Jesus died for us in our place. When God judged him, he judged you. He judged sin. But what happens is this. It's we need to enter into that, those who are in Christ. How do we do that? Lord, you're right. I am a sinner. But I choose today your remedy for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I have got nothing that should make you love me. I've got no right to claim your forgiveness, but you sent Jesus. And today I reach out to you in whatever faith I've got and lay hold of him. I take hold of your provision and I ask you to forgive me. And do you know what the Bible says? The moment you do that, God in his sovereign mercy will forgive you. And the angel takes up that pen. And what is your name? I'll just write in a book. And on that morning, you will be sucked out of here with the rest of us.
Well, that's your choice. That is your choice. But I would be amiss today if I did not give you the opportunity to respond to that. So while every head's bowed and every eye's closed and everyone's praying for you, my friend, why not today? Oh, when I get home, I'll, I'll do it. You won't. The devil will come and steal it away. Oh, when I'm better, well, if you could be good enough, why did Jesus die? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. And I'm not going to play around with you. I'm not going to mess around with you. This is between you and God. But if today someone would say to me, Pastor, but Ken, I need you just to agree with me. I want to indicate now before God that I am willing, I want, I need, I am responding. If that's you, would you raise a hand? Would you say to me, Ken, that's me. I'm looking for you. Heaven's looking for you. I don't labor these things. I don't play games. If you hear God's voice to you today, well, that's great. On resurrection, Norm, we're all going together. You're sure now. When he comes to call away his church, will he come and call for you? I just want to share a scripture with you this morning from the first letter of John. Um, and it's pretty much in the introduction. And it says, this is the message we have heard from him to proclaim to you. And this is, this is like the summary of the message. And it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. No darkness at all. You know, this scripture, we can apply this to so many areas of your life. There is so much you can take out of this. But I believe one of the main things that the scripture means is to do with the fact that um, our holy God cannot coexist with sin. Right? You know, if you would, if you would qualify age-wise to come to Kids Church this morning, the topic is sin. We're going to look at what is sin. And, you know... Sometimes we, in our mind, we make up this, this thing that some sin is a bit more tolerable than other sin. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about, you know, as long as I, maybe as long as I don't murder, God surely is going to tolerate this sin. You know, how we, we kind of think there is a, a certain tolerance. You know, when you get a speeding ticket, you know, when you, when you drive up the road... And there is this device that measures the speed. And it's got like a certain percentage of tolerance, doesn't it? And, you know, if, if the zone is 30, but you're driving 32 or 31, it's like this percentage of tolerance. But the truth is God does not tolerate sin at all. Right? God is a holy God. And, you know, if we're not careful, we start to allow sin in our lives, right? And once sin is allowed, the next step is to kind of, is to tolerate sin, right? So instead of just letting sin in and out, sometimes we then start to say, oh, okay, you know, this sin is okay. If we, you know, if we sin by doing that, you know, if we, with children, I guess we're going to speak about disobedience, but it could be anything, you know, look at the Ten Commandments, it could be lying, it could be 
stealing, it could be envying, it could be jealousy, it could be so many things, worshipping other gods, worshipping money, worshipping other things. And then that tolerance, if we tolerate sin long enough in our life, the next step is then the cultivation of sin. Right? We start cultivating, actively cultivating sin in our lives. You know, what does cultivating mean? You know, I don't know if you ever cultivated any vegetables, you know, in your garden. We've tried courgettes for a period of time. You know, when you cultivate something, when you cultivate a plan, you significantly, actively do something towards encouraging and growing it. Right? And this is when, if we're not careful there, this is when sin takes over. So I just had this, um, you know, I read the scripture this morning, and I just felt like God speaking to me. We have to stop tolerating sin. God is a God who has a 0% tolerance to sin. 0%. There is no allowance. If we allow to creep in, we're going to allow it, and then we're going to tolerate it, and then we're going to cultivate it. And cultivating means we're actually teaching our children sin, right? Because but it te- children learn by role modeling. Whatever I do, that's the right thing for them, and they start to learn and cultivate it themselves. So I don't know how you feel about entering the presence of God this morning. You know, sometimes we come into church And we just feel like we can't really approach. We're not really feeling the presence. We're not really feeling it. And it's sometimes to do with the fact that there is sin. And I want to encourage you this morning to to lay the sin down and to ask for forgiveness, to repent. The Bible says repent. Make that active step of cutting the source of your sin off. Because remember, there is a zero tolerance of sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. God, you deserve the glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give a round of applause to our Lord Jesus, our Savior, our King. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are wonderful, God. You are precious, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for today. We thank you for your presence here among us. We thank you for your word. How you reminded us of the eternal and blessed hope that we have in you, Lord. We thank you because one day we will see you face to face. We will rejoice with you for eternity, Lord. We thank you, Lord God. And in the meantime, as we serve you, Lord, we, we just want to pray for strength, Lord, as we witness your word to those around the house who, uh, you know, who are still, who are perishing, who are dying without you, Lord. Help, help us, Holy Spirit. Never to be shy in sharing your word, in sharing the message of your gospel, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Can you just sit for a minute before we go? Uh, Well, first of all, I just wanted to remind you that in July, we're going to have our uh, baptism service. I already have uh, some people who asked to be baptized. If you are an adult... If you uh, have given your life to the Lord and uh, you want to be baptized, uh, feel free to, um, to approach me at the end of the service and to talk to me. Uh, if you're new to the church and wondering, you know, I've been baptized as a baby, what do you mean? We, you know, if you're an adult here, 
Uh, we baptize adults because we like to follow the model that we find in the Bible, and a person needs to be uh, understand what you know uh, what what they do. You know, they need to be adult really to understand what, what's going on in our life. So that's why we believe that only an adult person can take that decision to follow Christ, and therefore to be baptized in water. This is the model that is in the New Testament. Uh, we see Jesus baptizing his disciples. Jesus himself got baptized, the Son of God. You know just before when he was 30 years old and so as well you know the church in acts you know you always see people believing and then being baptized so baptized so we're going to have our baptism service if you are as i said an adult if you're giving your life to the lord and you want to seal uh, this choice that you made to follow christ you know come and talk to me and uh we'll see to get you baptized can you go something yes come on. yeah very quickly you know we have a an annual trip to Uganda, and part of that annual trip is a medical day. And historically, we've raised an offering for it. Um, basically, there is no medication unless we buy it and take it. And well, we buy it, we buy it in country, and employ local medical people there. So between now and we go in the 19th of June, we will raise an offering to help toward that. I know the church usually gives and various indiv individuals give, but we'll have a, an offering for that. Secondly, in the light of that, we say with me, knickers. Knickers. It's not a bad word. You're all right. We will probably try to take 200 pairs of children's underwear. Because my wife's not going this time. Me and Jason and Steve are going, so... We'll be traveling light, but that's not that we need knickers. You're laughing your head off. <laughs> Interesting when the customs search a bag. But, uh, you know, I thought, why not? Why not just, uh, you know, we do take toothbrushes, spectacles. We can take various sizes. My wife will, I think Joanna's got a big plan of having a little chart of how many knickers we have accumulated little girls not yeah yeah the only requisite is this then you <laughs> wonderful yes thank you very much yeah, if you would like to give you know towards the you know um, mission trip to uganda just go and talk to ken he's gonna head up the group from the church he can give you all the information uh and the way that uh, how you can help and give well, you know, we come to an end. Why don't we just stand and just uh, we close uh, very quickly uh, doing something, again, important. We're going to pray for the week ahead. Lord God, we thank you because you love us and you prepare good things for us ahead. And we pray for this week that is ahead of us, Lord. We pray that you may walk in your way, Lord, that you may be with us, Lord, in all what we do. Follow us with your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.